Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Show Talk Podcast, the place where I talk, you talk, and we talk about shows. We are back with another episode of The Nevers, episode six of the part one finale. And oh my gosh, the amount of things that we learned this episode, it's it's crazy. Like all of our theories are answered this episode. Every question we might have had, I mean, I do have some more. I do, I'm not gonna lie, I do have more questions. But a majority of the questions we've had since the beginning of this episode and this season has finally had answers. And I think that's what we've all been looking for. And I think that's a lot of what the actors and the writers have hinted to this last couple of days leading up to the finale. And I am so excited to get into it with you guys and see what we've learned. See what we've learned on this part one finale. But of course, before we get into everything, I just want to remind everyone that this is a TVMA show. And if you aren't of age to be watching the show, you probably aren't of age to be watching this podcast just because I will be a little bit more free and candid on my responses and reactions than I normally am. But if you've been with me this entire season and you want to get into the Never season one part one finale, let's get right into it. Let's get Get right into this episode. So one thing I really liked about this episode is how well I feel it was organized. It kind of brought us through Amalia's whole life. I mean, from past, mm, can you really go to the past if it was the future? I mean, it's our past. Our past, her present? I mean, you know what I mean. So we got to see Amalia's entire history from how she got to the 1800s and how we acknowledge that she's not from this time. So we got to see a bit of the future that Amalia lived through. And so I liked how they organized it and how we got to see different chapters of that life and how she's changed over time. And so I think that's how I'm going to organize this episode a little bit more. I'm going to just give my reactions and my thoughts and vibes based on the chapters that we saw and then conclude it all together at the end. So in chapter one, we get to see the future. And I'm not gonna lie, I was confused a good chunk, <laughs> a good chunk of the first half. If they didn't say Galanti, I would have been like, excuse me, what am I watching? If you saw some of my fleet reactions, I actually had to double check and rewind a bit just to make sure that I was on the nevers because the filming style, the way everyone looked, just the whole vibes of the first part of chapter one for the show left me so confused. I didn't even think I was on the right show. And I loved that because it makes us think if we do go into the future and we do, which I hope we do because there's a little bit more confusion and, and questions that I have, that it's going to be completely different to what we've been given so far and I think that'll spice things up especially if we get more seasons later on. Future is looking pretty bleak and especially because it seems that they're at war and honestly all we can do is blame the Galanthi because the Galanthi tend to have an MO it seems like where they go into different timelines or different universes and they spread their spores and it touches people that they feel are worthy enough to be able to be enhanced and create a communication or line between the Galanthi and the humans and of course free lifers who I think are part of a religious organization shocker don't accept that because they don't want to believe in anything of a higher being and we've been talking about religion this entire show and I feel like it's been in small undertones but it's been there first when we went and rescued Myrtle and her parents tied her to a chair 
thinking that she was devil's work. Then when we discussed in later episodes, like episode four or five, the woman who killed her daughter because she was part of the devil, like, oh, it makes no sense, but it makes so much sense that the same time that people to this point wouldn't be able to accept a higher being that wasn't their version of God coming down and then it creating a war that's been going on forever and it looks like that's what the striper agent and the main characters of that chapter has been going through the entire time and I just wanted to be known that I clocked the striper agent as Avalia since the beginning because one we saw the little finger movements right and it's a sign of her pitsid reaction which I believe is just another form of PTSD where she was seeing flashbacks of all the terrible things that's happened to her. But in those moments, those flashbacks, we saw the finger movements. And then when we look back on throughout the other episodes, Amalia, when she gets her visions, does the finger movements. And so I clocked in on those and I was like, that is that is Amalia. That is not who we've known as Amalia, but that is a version of her from this future. And then also look at how much the striper agent wants drugs or is so ready to fight or is so caring to some of the characters that she interacts with in chapter one. That is exactly Amalia's MO. She looks so hard and that she wouldn't care, but she does. She loves to drink and fight and so does our striper agent so I clocked that in so fast but I loved every second of it because throughout this entire episode we got to see the growth from the striper agent into Amalia from Molly and then creating this Amalia true that we have right now and it's so different and yet the same that it's it's easy to just want to analyze her actions and her motives for things the same way that we would analyze Amalia's actions and motive for things so when I was looking at chapter one and I realized that this could be our future version or our later version of Amalia I wanted to see her interactions and her beliefs about the Galanti I wanted to see her interactions with the rest of the crew that she was working with which we find out is later members of the PDC and kind of just see how that's going to change her now that we know that these filters that Amalia has placed on herself throughout this season that we've seen is kind of off especially seeing as in this world or in this future everyone kind of has their own anonymity and it's just interesting because no one knows each other's names they just know what they're affiliated with so either you're part of the free life or you're a spore or you're part of the pdc or you're a striper and that's just what you live by and it looks like Amalia or our striper has been living that entire life for 28 years of just being a warrior so seeing as she's now interacting with this PDC group who want to save the Galanthi and looking for hope that they can change the earth from the way that it is now and end this war it's very interesting to see what have we learned and, and what's been her response the entire time we've seen physical representation of the Galanthi which honestly I want one as like a spirit animal or a companion animal I'm here for it companion alien here for it I want a Galanthi because all they want to do is create a bond with humans to be able to experience 
that connection with them. And that's why they're giving spores off to be able to create a more deeper connection with humans. And what does Amalia say to that? No cares. Does not matter to her. And then you see, and as they're debating to kill the Galanthi, Amalia does not acknowledge any of that because all she knows is what she's been taught and what she's been told. And she follows orders. She follows missions, which we've understood has been Amalia's motivation for everything that she's done this entire season. So to see that close up even in this time frame is so familiar to us. And the only person that changes that outlook and belief system that she has is our Harriet or what I believe to be as Harriet. Harriet 1? Could she be considered Harriet 1 if we have Harriet 2 in the past that was before her? I'm gonna call her Harriet too. I'm gonna call her Harriet too, who is a free lifer slash spore slash PDC slash Galanthi activist who believes that the Galanthi are our hope, who believe that the Galanthi are the ones that are able to make a difference. And so it's no surprise to me that that version of Amalia connects so quickly to this version of Harriet as she has similar characteristics to Penance. And as we know from Penance and Amalia's relationship, Penance ends up basically her golden compass, her heart, her hope. And so to see that slowly break in this one chapter with Harriet, as we learn about the Galanti and how all they want to do is go home, and maybe that means that they've abandoned this version of Earth, it changes things, especially as we see that hope is so fleeting. As we watch this version of Harriet, who has created that, that belief and, and that moment in Amalia, bleed out on the floor and die. And honestly, I was so emotional in that scene. And I don't even understand why, because as I looked at these characters, I was like, these are characters I don't know. I do know them in a sense that I've watched this season and I've grown with Amalia and I've grown with Harriet and Penance and everyone in the orphanage and the rest of the troubled. But these characters in the future, I do not know them. I do not know motivations or their actions and what they've done in the past. But to watch Harriet, this version of Harriet, someone who is so strong and opinionated and bright and hopeful question herself in death and to have Amalia have to comfort her knowing the truth because of her own jaded beliefs was so heartbreaking like I tear was tearing up the entire time I didn't know how to feel because I felt like I shouldn't feel this bad because I don't know them but at the same time I do and I understand and I've been in those time frames where all hope feels lost and I, I keep saying hope because we mention it so much in the last couple of episodes and we're mentioning it even now going forward and I'll probably try to analyze that a little bit more as we continue on this episode but watching that be broken down in just a few minutes towards the end of this chapter hurt. And so I kind of understood why Amalia chose that action at the end of the scene to try and kill herself. Because we see that she's drinking some kind of chemical or, or biohazard that is obviously going to kill her. Because in that fleeting moment where she had hope, in Harriet and the ideas of what the Galanthi could do. Not only do we see the Galanthi escape or get ready to leave and abandon this version of Earth, but we also see Harriet die and her hopes die with her and she didn't even get to get Harriet's name. So with all that happening in such a short period of time, if you were in Amalia's shoes, would you not do the same thing? 
I mean, she's been a warrior for so long. She's seen the good and the bad of people for so long. And every time she put her heart and her hope into different people or different places, it's done nothing but fail. And the last chance of hope that she has, she sees is about to leave, leave them all behind. Would you not turn to the same options if you were in the same headspace and and life that she's lived? I mean, it would break anyone, even the strongest of warriors. But as we see the Galanthi take Amalia's soul and now we know implant it into the Amalia and back then Molly that we know, I think it's even more significant the fact that she didn't give up that life even as it started anew. She still took that hope and that belief that Harriet instilled in her in her death and is trying to complete it even now, even in her mission. She still has that feeling because she knew the Galanthi was present. She knew what she had to do and she knew what Harriet wanted her to do and that legacy that she's passed down. I thought it was so significant and just thinking about it now warms my heart in a sense because Amalia is someone who's always looked at things as black and white and mostly she's stuck pretty dark on her ideas and her beliefs but even now in this new body and in this new life she's still choosing for something better for a different future a better future for not only herself but also the people who lived it and died for it and it's fitting that she ends up in a body such as molly's because when we look at molly's character in chapter two and we get to see the type of person she was before amalia took over we see someone who is just so strong and resilient and sweet and kind and many of Amalia's characteristics are just like that. Not hidden deep, deep, deep beneath the walls that she's created for herself. And I really like that in chapter two, it gave us a chance to get to know Molly and, and how she's reached that point to end up on the ledge by the river and I'll say this again but one thing that I really liked about this show and one reason I really wanted to start this show is because it not only shows the empowerment of women but it also shows the struggle and this show really push that in this chapter when it shows the struggle of women in that time frame. I mean, look at the life that Molly had to live. She was basically working for pennies. She couldn't provide for herself. She had to marry someone like Thomas instead of Varnum, someone she actually loved because the possibility of not being able to have a husband that could support you going forward, what would that do for you? Nothing. And then to later find out that she's barren and that she probably couldn't have children to produce the air that Thomas is nagging at her about, or nothing, because that's literally all women had for themselves back then. Their uterus and their ability to put a ring on that finger, and that is it. And the fact that later on Thomas's dies just with all this debt just be placed on her, oh my gosh, I could feel the stress from here. I would have jumped. I would have jumped honest to goodness. And even now, I just think about her life and this chapter that we got to explore a little more and thought of myself if I was in that situation. And I couldn't 
I couldn't fathom it. And it makes me laugh because even now, if you're looking at this in a real life situation and going farther than just the show, so many of us have heard time and time again, this generation, the millennials, Gen Zs and going forward, don't want to get married anymore, don't want to have kids anymore. And it's no, we really don't. Because why? We don't want to be forced to make a decision that'll alter our entire life because we are no longer dependent on men to provide it for us. We can create our own life. We can create our own businesses and marry who we love because we are not stuck on that that mentality that women can't support themselves and we have rights now and so to think that that was a time frame and a life that so many women faced for so long and still do and to some degree it just blows my mind especially because we're looking at a time frame that's the late 1800s that wasn't that wasn't that long ago guys that really wasn't and so to see this show just to bring it all back bring power and give powers to mainly women and people of color who have been looked down upon and, and cannot considered anything more than their body is just so amazing to me and I loved every second of it and this is why I love this show and this is why I will continue promoting this show because it goes so much beyond a sci-fi show while still keeping so many of its elements. I mean look at chapter three. Chapter three we basically start right back where we started in episode one where we see everyone get touched and we see Amalia's journey in those three years and what happens to her in leading up to creating the orphanage and I just want to say I was right. I mean, my theories were kind of correct. Because what did I say? When Molly jumped, she died, right? That's what I said. And I said, what, three, episode three, episode four, episode five, somewhere around there, I said, I hope that this is like a host situation where Molly died and her body was gone. And then Amalia was able to enter her body as like an alien. That's why she's different. She remembers all the things. She's not from this time, etc. And okay, Maybe Amali is not an alien, but she's not from this time frame. That's not really her body. That's as alien as it's going to get, to be honest. So to know that I still got it excites me. My theories still work. I still know how to use those context clues to understand a story and a plot line. However, that isn't to say that this show is not going to completely trip me up for the rest of the season, especially after looking at episode five and even analyzing this episode, the amount of questions I have. Like one being, how does future Harriet exist in past Harriet's body? I thought she died. You saw her die. I saw her die. What does that mean? Or the fact that the Galanti are possibly from the 1800s, from the past, because we saw the doctors analyzing their stuff, which is from that same time period. And we saw that the Galanti were also on a one-way trip back home, which was also from that time period. What does that mean? Like, are they just acknowledging the fact that maybe they fucked up <laughs> in the 1800s and that wasn't the best time to be spreading out spores for aliens when everyone is so religious and creates the free life organization and creates the PDC like is that them acknowledging that that's the time frame they messed up from or are they really from there and does that mean that there's more aliens walking among us that we don't know about especially after looking at that ending scene questions okay so many questions but let's look at the answers that we have that we got from this episode chapter three specifically when we see amalia work through the last three years that we didn't really 
acknowledged since episode one. I mean, we saw the time jump and then we just went about our day with the rest of the season as if that didn't matter. And it does. It does so much because this is honestly the first time in this entire show that I dislike Amalia. And I hate them for that because (laughs) we get to see how her actions have so many consequences and those consequences hurt my girl Malady. And you guys know you know I have a soft spot for her and the fact that Amalia is the reason when I've blamed everyone else for why Melody is the way she is. Amalia is the domino effect as to why- oh no. It's upsetting. It's seriously upsetting because she knew better. I mean, I guess she didn't. This isn't the Amalia that we know. Okay, that's how I'm gonna separate it. This isn't the Amalia that we know. This is the striper version. It's okay but I'm still upset. But we were right. We were right in that Horatio, Amalia, and Malady were all of the same institution, and that's how they got to know each other. What we weren't correct in is how different their characters would be. Horatio's the same. Whatever. He's a doctor. He's also a cheater. Still there. Still happening. Good to know it happened for over three years now he's been cheating on his wife. Love that. But Malady, Malady looks completely different than who she was in the past. She looked normal. She looked sane. She was getting better. She was going to leave the asylum. And yet, when the doctor comes looking around, who does Amalia point in the direction of where the touched could be getting their powers from? And who are the Galanti? And what do they know? Malady. I'm, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry because Malady didn't have powers when we first met her. She might have been touched and we saw that, but it wasn't activated. And we know that Malady's powers are only activated by pain. And she only started experiencing those when she was given to the doctor who experimented on her and that probably includes Lavinia as well. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, although Amalia gave her up to save herself and to be able to look more into the touched and look more into what happened to the Galanti and start the orphanage, although Amalia gave her up to do all of that because Lavinia is probably working for the doctor as well and at the end of the day it was Lavinia that got Amalia out of the asylum and ended up funding the orphanage she still ended up underneath the thumb of those oppressed I'm gonna cry it's just so much it's just so much and Malady wouldn't be the way that she was if it wasn't for Amalia if it wasn't for Amalia and that is the part that really hurts the most how do you live with that you don't which is why probably Amalia feels so guilty about what happened to Sarah and we've just left her there like we haven't honestly we haven't really done anything to save Malady from what what's what's happened to her I mean she might be too far gone but who knows and it makes me wonder how Malady escaped we don't go into that we don't talk about that at all after she has her interaction with the doctor we don't see what's been done to her but clearly something's been done to her but we don't get into how she escaped and if she didn't escape could it be that the doctor could have let Malady go so that she could kill her angels and she could find out more about the touched so that they could learn more because they already have the snatchers they're doing their own thing but Malady is like a scapegoat she has been a scapegoat this entire season she could be for Lavinia and the doctor as well like an undercover spy that they don't know because like we said Malady puts all of her trust in her god and if that god is of man 
could it be the doctor after he's been brainwashing her and playing around with her brain could she still be underneath his thumb because we know that melody is smarter than that and that this character that she's created might not be real and if it's not is it just another way for her to get close to the touched and learn more and get people like mary and be able to report back i don't know maybe i'm reaching maybe i'm reaching but we haven't really explained how malady escaped and i hope that we get into that in part two and things like this we should keep in the back of our minds because there are probably things in the show that we haven't even realized have occurred that mean so much more to the season as a whole and even looking into chapter four and what happened down under when amalia and the rest of the group went to go look for the galanti it's so much to unpack i mean we see the galanti again in a same situation trapped in the ceiling looking people who once again want to dissect them and, and find out more of them and get rid of them while also dangling their hope in front of them and and murdering them i mean oh my gosh remember at the beginning of the episode how they killed the the doctors the doctors that have created a bond with the galanti they'd killed them and left it for the galanti to see to break them as a torture mechanism and then now we see the galanti stuck again to watch everyone that it has touched and then has put its spores into be brainwashed and dissected in front of them for them not to be able to do anything and instead rely on the orphanage and amalia to set them free once more uh it's amazing it's amazing it's come full circle at this point and to then be able to speak to the galanti because we do see amalia have that connection with the galanti for a moment we learn so much and yet so little at the same time because what do we see we see someone like myrtle speaking english no less in the form of the galanti telling her that she's going to erase her memories again because this is too much for her to know but what exactly did she erase we don't know and it might mean that what we're listening to in that clip that we saw in the last five minutes while she's speaking to the galanti or or seeing the future of what the galanti has given her might be something that Amalia doesn't know going into part two of season one. So that might be something that we'll have to remember in order to see how the rest of the show is going to go. Because we also heard snippets from the future of people saying, do you really think you were the only one that got brought along on this ride? And so what does that mean? It means that there's a possibility that there are more people from the future who are here in the 1800s. Now it could be Lavinia, it could be the doctor, who knows? It could be the beggar king. And that's what I have on my mind, that he is part of something more. And since we don't know his backstory, maybe he is from the future. Because we don't know how many people were brought in. They were going through an entire war when the Galanti left. There were over hundreds of fighters that were going between the Free Lifers and the PDCs. Who knows who got brought back? And I want to know as soon as possible because although this episode was meant to clear up some things and, and give us clarity, I still have more questions and theories that I am now giving off to the rest of you and especially as in part four when we're we're talking to the galanti and we're fighting we've only gotten glimpses of what really happened underneath the ground so we don't know if they interacted with lavinia we don't know what happened to the rest of the touch that were under there we don't know how anything happened or how they were able to escape 
and exit through a building or a mansion that might have been connected to the Bidlow estate? I don't know. I really don't know. I really hope that we start off season one part two and fully going into what happened underground, that full fight, if Augie and Lavinia were able to interact everything because that will change the game especially now that we're acknowledging that we're going into war and we're going to need to get the rest of the orphanage and the rest of the touch ready to fight because Lavinia like I said last episode and the doctor have their own army their own army of brainwashed touched who are just as powerful so this is going to be a lot. I mean, even if you lay everything out, we still have so much content for chapter two of part one and for the rest of the season and future seasons. Lord Mason's daughter, we still don't know if she's really dead. We don't know what the Beggar King's main motivations are, if he maybe leads for the Free Life organization, because we did see he was organizing himself with the purists that would make sense. Then we don't know how everyone's going to react when we find out that Melody is still alive and how that will change the game. And then also, when we find out that Lavinia's true colors, how's that going to change everything? How's that going to change things with Augie? How's that going to change things with the fact that Lavinia has basically been supporting the orphanage since the beginning when she worked with Amalia? Are they really safe if she's been behind the scenes the entire time? We don't know. Are we going to be able to speak to the Galanti again? And if we are, what will we learn? Could there possibly be more Galanti in this time frame than there was in the future because they all died or were murdered by freelifers? We also don't know. So that's going to be a lot of questions and theories that I can't wait to dissect with you guys going into chapter one, part two, and, and later seasons. And I, I hope you guys have a chance to stick along with me as we ride out this journey. And I want to thank you for being with me and being patient with me as these episodes rolled out. And yeah, I can't wait. I honestly can't wait. But until then, you can always Follow me on Twitter at Show Talk Podcast. I had a chance to live tweet this episode and show some fleet live reactions, which were pretty awesome to do. Of course, any updates on this show and other shows that I will be podcasting will be first place there. But you can also check out my website at Show Talk Blog if you want to see what else I'm doing or just send me an email at showtalkpodcast at gmail.com. But until then, thank you so much for staying with me on this journey and I will see you next time. Keep on talking.